0: Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. Praise the Lord. All right, open in your Bibles, please, to the book of James, chapter 1. We've been talking for two weeks now, and so I want to pray and get right into this. Father, thank you that as you teach us, you do it, Father, again, like Tracy prayed, not according to man's wisdom, not according to opinions of an opinionated preacher, but rather, Father, according to the impartation of the Holy Spirit in each each and every one of us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So, no one's asked me yet, but I'm teaching about the perception and illusion and deception of control. And I've emphasized over the last two weeks that you really don't have a lot of control. And I was really hoping someone would come up to me and say, wait a minute, are you telling me we don't have any control? Kind of. Here's what you have control over. You have control over your response to God's word. That will fix your control system throughout your life. That's the thing you have control over. You say, well, but what about, no, that'll control your attitude. That'll control your anger. That'll control your, you pick it. If you control your response to God's word, you will control the rest of your life. But that's the only control God gives you. He says, if you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. He's waiting sometimes for us, right? And to control our response to his word. We could say, well, I just don't believe that. That's okay. You don't have to believe it. It's all right. Don't don't believe it. But sooner or later in that issue of control, you will come face to face with your need to submit to a loving God. And He will challenge your belief system, not because it goes against what you believe, but because now it's being spoken by the living Creator in heaven Himself. Not some book you read, not some teaching you got from some pastor who stayed for 50 years in your church. That's me. I haven't stayed 50 years, but, you know, I haven't found the exit yet, so praise God you're stuck with me. You will find that when you submit to God, He will radically transform your life. He'll give you instructions that'll that'll last inside of you for years. Because you can't control what other people do. You can only control your response. And more specifically, your response to God's Word. So when the psalm says, what can man do to me? See, that's, that's something you can control your response to. Men are going to do things to you. People are going to have sharp opinions. You're going to have sharp opinions. You're going to say those opinions. You're going to hurt people's feelings. Your feelings are going to be hurt. You can only respond technically in a controlled way to what God's Word says. So I want you to get that because it's going to take a long time. And God won't release me if you don't. Notice in James chapter 1, talking about perception, how we see things, illusion, kind of the twisting, kind of the the reason we believe in magic. How many of you realize there's really not magic? How many of you also realize you really can't explain what just happened? Right? When somebody throws a card at a window and it ends up on the other side. I can't explain that. I don't know. where They're magic. No, they're not. No, you say, well, they're full of the devil. Maybe, I don't know. But I only get to control my response to God's word. That's so important to me. Notice, if you would, please, in James chapter 1, look at the 14th verse. It says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. We talked last week about our thinking heart, about how our desires work. And and this is really difficult. In fact, put up that first quote, would you please, Jeremy? It says, this is difficult. Our desires... Unrecognized and untested lead us to perceive by enticement that we can control the outcome of sin. See, that's what this passage is about. We can control the outcome of sin. Let me just tell you what sin does. When sin conceives, it brings forth death. You cannot control the outcome of sin. You must have a remedy for the sin, not a controlling of the outcome of sin. The remedy of sin is Jesus Himself who took death for you. It's the reason that I'm not dead today. Right? It's the reason you're not dead. Your sin is deserving of death. And You say, well, I don't believe that. I don't care. You don't have to. But sooner or later, you'll have a Waterloo moment with Jesus when you realize you can't live however you want to live because you think you can control the outcome of sin. Well, I can just sin a little bit. Well, let me just tell you something. There is no size nor scope to sin. It is one size fits all. From the littlest to the biggest in human conception, they're all the same to God. You can't control the outcome. Hope you get it. Your heart conceives. Look at verse 15. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, notice the process. I love the process. I mean, not in a, like, oh, this is really of God kind of thing, but, man, we've got so many opportunities to recognize this. When we first sin, the outcome is death, and as that sin grows in us, we have all these opportunities to get the remedy for our sin, Jesus Christ. But it's sin just grows up in us. See, that's why you get frustrated with old people who aren't saved who say they don't need God say, well, yeah, you really do. Nope, they've figured out they can control the outcome. I don't need a God. And what they're saying is, I don't need to be weak enough to need your Christian crutch. Can't do that. If you've met with Jesus, kind of like Israel, Jacob, whichever one wrestled with God and walked with a limp the rest of his life, I'm telling you what, God will dislocate your hip. walk with a limp. You say, I don't want to walk with a limp. Well, here's the deal. You have an opportunity to meet with God and leave submitted rather than to leave limping. But I know who wins the wrestling match. And you don't get to control sin. (coughs) We talked last week about Proverbs chapter 4. It says, keep your heart with all diligence over everything else. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it, out of that heart springs or literally the fountain of relief, release for the issues of life. Out of your heart springs a fountain of release for the situations you face in life. Now, everybody already has those things. But what God is encouraging us to do is to keep our heart, keep it how? Keep it under the submission to God. Because your heart will say, I don't deserve this, and you'll act like a flaming jerk. You'll say, well, I don't deserve this, so I'm going to act up. Well, okay. You can, but you should control yourself in its response to God's word. It will fix you. With your cooperation and in some cases without it i used to do a lot of jail and prison ministry and i'll just tell you right now that sometimes god puts people in prison to hold them still long enough that they'll be forced to face jesus face to face he'll put you there and you say well i just don't believe that the prison's just so terrible nope i pray for people to go to prison because i know there's somebody there who will show them jesus you say you pray for people to go yeah Don't you? No, you see, you you pray to rescue them so that they never have to face that. And if that's what they need to face according to God so they can be fixed, we ought to be joining up with that. I know it's hard. I remember when, yeah, I ain't got time to tell you every story on my heart. All right, (laughs) so this week we're talking about the power of adversity and something i call outcome dependence if you can't control what happens then your frustration your anger your 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 ability to say we should have seen this outcome you probably have something called outcome dependence that your safety your security your contentment lies in when you get what you thought you should get that's outcome dependence i prayed this should happen and yet God sometimes will show you how to live by shutting your door on the world and filling up 55-gallon jars out of a two-ounce jar that the woman had. All we have is a little bit of oil. And, 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 and we're going we're gonna, to... The creditors are coming for my kids, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and he says, listen, go out and borrow. This is Elijah. Go out and borrow and not just a few. Fill your house. But then he said, shut the door. See, sometimes you got to shut the door... On the world's expectations, the outcome dependence that we have. We've had this for about three years or more where we thought we knew what the outcome was supposed to be. And we're still in the middle of that situation. I personally believe that God is showing the church and people who will listen that we've had an outcome dependence that our security rested on. If we don't see these things, we're not going to think that we're safe and secure. Listen, I am safe and secure because of Jesus. Not because of sickness through a pandemic. Not because of financial matters through, you know, falling off the cliff of finances. Not through a, uh, an, educa- a, uh, an election. Uh, you, you cannot, people of God. And you say, yeah, and I believe we ought to elect the right people. Don't, don't, don't send me dirty emails, you, you know. <laughs> if your contentment wasn't content because the results weren't what you wanted, and you had a fit and fell in it, you might have an outcome dependence that causes you an outcome dependence. If it doesn't work, it causes you to blame humans. Here's, here's how it works. Well, I prayed for healing, but they didn't get healed. What's the excuse? Well, they might not have had enough faith. What just happened? You blame, the per- you blame the sick person. Lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. End of story. Report of the Lord. You say, well, but it didn't happen. You have an outcome dependence. That if you don't see these things, you don't think God's word is true. That's an outcome depend. Are you all tracking with me or can, can, I, can, can I move on? <laughs> outcome dependence is dangerous for Christians. Because the world is clear, full of the mentality of the enemy. Kill, steal, destroy. Throughout the last three years, the enemy has attempted to destroy many of the things that you held dear. And in some cases, you look at it and say, well, yeah, in fact, he won. Okay, the, 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 the report whatever the report is, isn't the end of the story. Amen. So, so I, you know, you, I mean, I'd encourage you to stop listening to the news anyway, <coughs> but whatever. If you get the report, whatever it is, and you buy it, you own it, you take it in and you listen and they'll give you all kinds of excuses. Come on, how many of you have ever done that with healing? I'm just going to stay on that so I don't Introduce another subject and make somebody else mad. You know what God's Word says, and you haven't seen the results yet. But if you close your eyes, you can see the results. Right? Now, I love my, my brother sitting in the back in his wheelchair. I can see him walking. I can see him walking. You say... Well, but why isn't it happening? If your outcome, if your, if, your, if your contentment, if your satisfaction depends on the outcome, you're outcome dependent. And so then you can say, well, you know, he's been in that chair a long time. I guess he's just too weak to stand. Tracy and I listened to a story about an African man who was raised from the dead who was partially embalmed you got to have some serious giddy up to pray for that guy but here's the point what difference does it make if God can bring him back to life or not with whether his veins are filled with embalming solution Does that change your report oh that's it's too late too late let me tell you what makes it too late <laughs> because I'm sure God's going to make me teach on this, and He's never released me to before. But if you're hoping to see great miracles, you'll have to see those miracles inside first, and secondarily, you'll have to see them before the person gets a glimpse of heaven, because they ain't coming back. i just tell you, I'm old enough. If I fall over dead sometime, don't you dare call me back. <laughs> I've got a vision of heaven already. I want to just tell you right now, I don't got any questions for heaven. And you won't either. I mean, I know you think you will, but you won't. (laughs) I have a desire to sit in the real chair where the Bible says I'm seated in heavenly places. I just want to go take a chair. You say, where's it going to be? I don't know. I'm going to give somebody the evil eye if it's not close enough. Still haven't worked through that part yet. I know, see, some of you laugh at that and go, yeah, that's a good eye. Nope, you won't be able to have an evil eye. When you see him, you'll be like him. There are no more evil eyes left. See the humanity in how it slips in to your heaven perspective? That's an outcome dependence. We've lived our life based on outcome dependence. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. Go eat Popcorn. God's eternal power company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I can always find it because I have these cute little things. (laughs) Let me give you a definition outcome dependence. Outcome dependence is a state of being in which a strong desire for a particular outcome is our only way of satisfaction, contentment, or peace in value. The last one's important. When our value is determined by what we get, okay, we're actually worried about how others will value us. So when we say, I believe that person's going to be healed, and sometimes, honestly, Tracy and I have prayed. I I remember one of our first times where where I felt like, I don't know that she ever felt like it because she was scared, but my first time that I ever felt like I had an anointing to raise the dead. And you say, you had an anointing to raise the dead? Listen to the whole story. (coughs) Went to a funeral home, a 10-year-old Robert Harding, wherever he is, there he is. Remember when we drove up to Greeley that time and prayed for that little girl? Remember that guy in the Hawaiian shirt that met us at the deal and took us up there and then seemingly disappeared. We had some weird experiences. <coughs> anyway, so that little girl that we prayed for died. And uh, she was at the, at the funeral home, and it's technically uh, kind of against the law for a funeral home director to leave him alone with the doors open so you can come in. While well, he was gone, and I was in there, and I whispered to my wife. I said, I think God just told me to stand this little girl in the corner and slap death out of her. Now, before you hoot and holler and say, yeah, it's a good idea, go, Glenn. No, put yourself in the position. Somebody's precious child is laying in one of them little caskets. It's one of the most trying things you'll ever see. And then some crazy person takes her out, stands her in a corner, and slaps a dead body. Now, I didn't do that, but it's never left me. Now, would she have been raised from the dead? I don't know. How do you know that? Do you know that? Well, I don't believe that can happen. See, that's what you know. I don't believe that can happen. I didn't have the opportunity. Tracy said, if you're going to do that, I'm leaving. <laughs> she has almost always been the spiritual one in our family, except that day. What happened? See, the outcome dependence likely stopped us, me, from doing that. Because all I could hear was, what if this doesn't work? What if this doesn't work? We spend a good portion of our time with outcome dependence. Notice if you would, please, Philippians chapter 4. Are you with me? Amen. Listen, if you're following along digitally, you may not have remembered or even known that you could go to the Version Bible. With your location services on, click. And if you're sitting in this room, it'll tell you you're a new life. And if you'll push that button, it'll bring these notes up to you. You can keep them forever if you want. Outcome dependence. Put up that first quote, please, Jeremy. Outcome dependence often reveals. Then we'll get to the... Outcome dependence often reveals that we aren't showing unconditional love and trust. Instead, we love and trust to engineer a desired result. That's what outcome dependence does. Paul was a perfect example because he said in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you all remember that, that scripture? Isn't that awesome? That's a great one. How many of you know there are verses before that? Yeah. Let's look at those. Look at verse number 11. Not that I speak in regard to need. Not that I speak. Adversity, this is what we're talking about, adversity and outcome dependence. When adversity hits us, we don't think that we're going to get what we want because the path is too hard. (coughs) Adversity often reveals our feelings, not our faith. Not that I speak, Paul said. And we're getting ready to see that Paul had gone through all these things, coming up to the conclusion of verse 13 that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But he said, Not that I speak. See, oftentimes how we talk reveals our feelings. That's what adversity does, right? The crying, the whining, that go, Oh, I can't believe this is happening. And it's just so unfair. And when your focus is flesh, it's so important you keep the two connected. Okay? So, <clears throat> when the when the pandemic kind of started, there were people, myself included, who looked at the situation and says, "Them darn Chinese people, the China virus." People on TV even encourage us to call it that. Call it that. What do we do? Our focus became flesh and blood. It revealed our feelings. Now, I rejected that because many years ago, God said, I don't have enough people praying for Chinese miners. And so I've been praying for Chinese miners for about 15 years. Because if you're a Chinese miner, you're likely going to die in the ground. It's terrible there. And you might die without Jesus. And I said, Lord, let the, you understand that, Reese, you all know the, the Wales revival came because of coal miners? Oh, we got evidence that God ministers to people in coal mines. And it's happening in China. That has the largest underground church on the planet. It's happening. You say, how do you know it's happening? Well, I know it's happening because God said it was. You say, well, but do you have any evidence? I don't need any. God said it was. It wasn't my desire. It's his. I didn't pick that. Come on, if you pick something to pray for that you can never measure... How do I know that my prayers are even working? I can't go to China and find out. You can't even get information out of China. It's not about the outcome. When I started praying for the churches of our area several years ago, because at God's instruction, pray that there'll be power there. I don't get to go to their churches. Is it happening? Why? Because God said... You pray in agreement with what God says. He said, "Pray that there will be power." Okay. How do you know it's happening? Because God said, "Lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover." How do you know it's happening? Yay, because God said. Are you tracking with me? It's so easy. <coughs> Excuse me. Notice it says then in verse number eleven. I'm not now not that I speak in regard to need, in regard to with respect and honor towards the need. If the church would figure this out, if the average Christian would figure this out, they would never talk towards their need. They'd talk of the provision that God gave them. My God supplies all of my needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I would speak in in regard to the provision. Are you with me? Oh, I don't, I'm not going to make it through the end of the month. Really? Why aren't you going to make it to the end of the month? Because you said so. Why are you going to make it to the end of the month? Because God said so. Who are you going to believe? You're going to believe your cupboards. You're going to open them dudes up and look in there and see the Van caps, pork and beans, and a bag of hot dogs. You have beans and weenies for the five days left in the month and you'll pray that your kids don't eat much so you can have leftovers just in case. (laughs) Come on, we've all been there. (laughs) And we speak in regard to need. Adversity often reveals our lack, not our trust. Adversity often reveals our lack, not our trust. Let's take this back to healing. You get that report. Well, that's the end of that. The doctors have said. You know, they still call it medical practice. They don't call it medical on purpose. We got to get there, people of God. You say, well, I just don't know. You know, I've tried really hard to pray for people and, 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 and they just died. Yeah, they won the race. I buried a 40-some-year-old elder in my first church who got cancer, had a surgery, called me into his hospital room, closed the door, kicked his family out, and he says, Pastor, I've had a glimpse of heaven, and that's where I'm going. Okay. He said, but I need you to lead my family in belief. I wanted to slap him right there. How do you tell the family that in a pastoral confidentiality I'm supposed to lead them and he's choosing to die? It's a conundrum. What do you do with it? What do you do with it? You teach them how to trust the word of God. Yes, obviously there are other things that play into that. Like I told you, if I fall over dead, don't you dare call me back. I know what it looks like. I ain't coming back. I'm going to consider that I'm done on this earth. Notice he says in verse number 11, I've learned that in whatever state I'm in, he said, I've learned. See, there's a moral bearing and a responsibility for you to learn within your adversity. So again, adversity often reveals our desired comfort over our biblical responsibility of understanding. I've learned, he said. See, adversity is a powerful tool when you take God's word with it, because it'll teach you how to honor the outcome that God gives you. See, we already know the outcome here. I can do all things. See, we want that. But how did Paul get there? By talking about his adversity and how he saw it, how he dealt with it. He said, I, I've been in some need. And you can see it in other parts where he was shipwrecked a couple of times, had, had the lashes of death a couple of times, you know, been beat and abandoned and all kinds of things. He was persecuted yet not abandoned, you know, all those scriptures, and he gets to this place. He says, Listen, I've learned in whatever state I am. I think that's so powerful. But we get motivated by outcome dependence, which is comfort. It's hard. It's hard to live transparently in front of a congregation when we don't exactly know what we can control other than our understanding and response to the Word of God. Because what we want desperately, deeply inside of ourselves is really kind of just what we want. We would like that to happen. We'd we'd like the whole earth, especially America, especially Colorado, dear God, Whose idea was it to remove the plastic bags? <laughs> I, I, we pick up our groceries when we're in Fort Collins a lot by calling, not calling, um, using using the internet and sending an order in over the Google. I don't know how we do it. Oh, go to walmart.com and you can put that in and they got your credit card and they charge you and you pull up, call a phone number, tell them what position you're in. Here comes a 16-year-old kid pulling your groceries. <laughs> the last time I went, he came out and none of the groceries were in bags. So he and I, we, I, and I knew that was gonna happen, he and I pulled the bags that we'd put in our trunk and in, in Christopher's car, we pulled them out and we bagged them right there and put them in our car. It took about 15 minutes. I'm thinking, who thought this up? Because he'd have been out here and gone in about two minutes if there would have been bags already. But you know, plastic bags are suffocating the turtles. Are... <laughs> <laughs> <Our laughs> 4,100 abortions in the United States a day. Divide that by 50, you get about 90 in Colorado if, all, if the playing field is, is, is level. And now you can't buy an egg from a chicken who lived in a cage. Who thought this up? Have I got you all to think to blame your governor? Have I have I painted you into this picture to show you how outcome dependence begins to cause you to focus on people? It was a trick. And dang government people. You see we got a lot of work to do. Listen, does it really make any difference other than for our comfort if they ban plastic bags at Walmart? I mean, does it You know what I think's going to happen? Because we we bought how many a dozen or ten or ten we bought ten of those um, bags you can't tear tie back bags they're about the size of a small carry on suitcase <coughs> and so I don't even need a, a cart anymore I just put my stuff in the bag as I'm picking it up off the shelf you know what's going to happen is pretty soon we're going to hear a report that people are stealing more. <laughs> Because they just put it in the bag and they wander around a little bit and then they walk out. I wasn't tempted to steal. I'm just telling you there's always consequences when we think we can control the outcome of sin. And when your outcome dependence causes you to blame a person, you've missed what God is trying to do. I hope you're getting this. I don't want to have to teach this next week again. It was so powerful in me. Notice he says, I've learned, whatever state I'm in, to be content. Literally, to be adequate by grace. Adequate by grace. Adversity hands the hammer of crucifixion by grace to a loving God. I told you this several weeks ago. You can self-crucify at three points. You can probably drive your own nails in your feet. You can probably figure out how to hold that nail and drive it in, the th- in, in, in one of your hands. But when it gets ready to crucify this hand, you can't self-crucify. If you're going to learn how to be content, you're going to have to give the hammer of crucifixion to God himself, who will take the last vestiges of control, comfort, all that stuff. He'll, he'll take it. He'll say, give that to me. It be the last area of sacrifice. It is not fun to think that God, in the same way that He sacrificed His Son, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10 says, that He had it pleased the Lord to sacrifice His Son. I don't know how He did it. I'm telling you right now, He is pleased when you hand Him the hammer of crucifixion for your own self-interest. That's adversity. That's it in a nutshell. Notice He says in verse number 12, I know how to be abased. It literally means to be humble or humiliated in heart. This is not just a a need. This is something that takes away the need for a need. Humiliated in heart. I can't believe I'm at this position. I don't deserve this. See, Paul went through. He knew how to do that. And how to abound. (laughs) To be over and above in excess. One of the words is actually superfluous. Meaning, having excess to the point of we don't even know what to do with it all. He'd lived there. Everywhere in all things I've learned to be both full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. We've missed this. We don't think we should ever suffer need. Now, not need in that sense. I need to be crucified. You say, well, yeah, but I was crucified in Jesus. Yeah, but there's part of that that hasn't actually taken hold inside of us because we still have a need for self-comfort. We still have a need for that dependence on the outcome. We need the outcome to be a particular way. That's called outcome dependence. You see, when we get to that place, we recognize that the power of adversity is meant to take outcome dependence out of our life. We trust God exclusively. Look at the 13th verse. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the verse everybody underlines. The two verses before explained how he can say it. See, we want that verse, I can do all things, yes, hallelujah. You know that it's extraordinarily difficult to be supernaturally strong when natural reports suck your strength away. You say, well, I got this report. Oh, is this really what's going to happen? Is this really where we're going to stand? Are we really going to be in?" to just start sucking your strength out? So you have to learn how to do both. I've learned to be in abundance. I've learned to be abased. I've learned not to speak into my need, but rather to speak into my provision. I've learned these things so I can do. Let me close with this. If God's blessing moves our focus away from eternity's plan through us, we've misused the blessing. If God's blessing moves our focus away from eternity's plan through us, we've misused the blessing. You are not the object of God's blessing exclusively. Eternity. See, when you got saved, you were supposed to join with the hosts of heaven, with God himself, with the Son Jesus, and in the power of the Holy Spirit in caring and functioning all of your life towards unsaved people. You are not the focus of the blessing. Once you're in, the focus of the blessing is eternity's plan. Through me. Unless Jesus shows up, manifests himself to somebody, you are God's choice. Don't you love it? He depends on you. Some of you are going, I wish he wouldn't do that. (laughs) I don't... (coughs) Excuse me. I don't really like all that dependent stuff. And he depends on you in that invisible world. As the music team moves, Jeremy, put up that Hebrews 11 scripture, please. Talking about Moses, it says, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. The only way that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you is to see it in the, in the invisible. You won't feel strong. In fact, you'll feel weak. You won't think you can do it, but God thinks you can. You won't jump into the middle of this thing with both feet and both hands flailing. You'll be timid. You'll have some courage issues. You say, "I don't know. I don't know if we can do." It. Yes, you can. Because you can endure based on seeing Him who is invisible. I've never seen Jesus, and yet I live with Him every day. You may never seen Jesus, and yet you live with Him every day. You can endure adversity, whatever it is, by focusing on what's invisible. That's the power of God that lives in you. Not with an outcome dependence. This is, oh, if this doesn't come out this way, I'm never going to. Nope. Outcome, outcome dependence causes us to focus on flesh. That's how we know it's an outcome dependence. That's how come we fight with people when we don't get what we want. We have an outcome dependence. Are y'all tracking with me? See, that's why we can't control. I can't make other people be what I need them or want them to be. I can only deal with me. And I can't let what their shortcomings in my perception are drag me down. You can't do it in your marriage. You can't do it in your parenting. You and God together will take care of your marriage. You can't do it. You cannot recreate your mate in the image you want them to be in. You cannot recreate your children in the image you want them to be. Only God does that. You ought to cooperate with what He's doing. And you'll move all of that outcome dependence away. I've been a preacher most of my adult life. And I still hear I can't believe you're a pastor. Because you knew me when I was 17 years old, going through high school, you can't believe I'm a pastor. Something I've been doing since 1983. 40 years this year. 40 years I've been doing this. But the five or six years that some people knew me, they still can't believe I've done this for 40 years. It's what God did in me. I didn't pick this. Dear God, I didn't pick this. It was an issue where I didn't have control over anything other than my response to Him. And He said, I've called you to teach my people foundations. And once I figured out what that was, I've been doing it for the rest of my life and I will do it for the rest of my life. Because that's who God is. Not who I am, that's who God is. Amen? I hope you got it today. Love you guys so much, but I hope you got it. And I hope you're not offended with me, with the outcome dependent. That can be kind of hard when you say, well, yeah, I did that. I just blamed everybody and anybody that moved and didn't move. I blame for what didn't go right in my life. That's outcome dependence. See, I'm praising God for what's happening in my life. God has never spoken as clearly to Tracy and I as he is during this season of adversity in our life. And it's an adversity that's bringing power into our life. We're seeing it every week. We're walking towards what God has said, not what we've heard. And boy, was that a process. So anyway, stand with me, would you please? Father, in Jesus' name today, we do indeed recognize that you are the performer of all outcomes in our life our response to you is one that submits to your control it's the only control we have and father we're going to take your report we're going to take your outcome and we're going to depend not on the outcome but we're going to depend on the outcome maker you we're going to declare your provision over our situations we're going to learn how to whether we're abased or whether we're abounding we're going to learn how to be content how to be satisfied in grace in the midst of difficulties. We thank you for that today. Now let your word reign in our lives so that we can say what Paul said, I can surely do anything, all things, through Christ who strengthens me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch Sermon Slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.